Hey folks, Randy Barfield here, coming at you with a kind of a somber little episode, kind of a PSA about a word or a disease that I hope as a pet owner or as a person that you never, ever, ever hear from, from a doctor or for our case, a vet, and that is Chagas. Chagas is caused uh, by a bug that is becoming more prevalent in Texas and in the southern states. Uh, called a kissing bug, otherwise the technical name Triatoma kersteckeri or Triatoma sanguisaga, otherwise a kissing bug. It is a blood-sucking type of insect. It looks much like an assassin bug or what we all call a stink bug, but is not. Um, the feces that is left over that gets injected into the bloodstream of a host um, causes a serious disease called Chagas. And you want to hope that you never, pets never get it, or a person that you know ever gets it. We unfortunately know about this from our little 11th month old golden retriever, Zoe. Uh, she was playing and all of a sudden, uh, she kind of fell out, passed out, and we discovered that she had been, she had Chagas. Um, there's a lot of information from the CDC, Texas A&M, uh, lots of different organizations. It is becoming more prevalent, and there is a huge amount of effort out there to eradicate or vaccine for this despicable, terrible disease. Um, you can go to Texas A&M. You can check out your state and local health department centers for disease control, your local veterinarian, your local physician. If you see a kissing bug, do not touch it. You can grab it in a sandwich bag or a pill bottle or a plastic vial or glass vial, and there are ways to send it in. Um, it basically is the size of about a penny. Um, it, in the shape of a violin almost, it has orange and black stripes around the side. But there are other bugs that are similar to this that are not kissing bugs. The best way to do is Google it, uh, Centers for Disease Control Parasites Chagas, or Google Chagas, or Chagas.org, or Chagas Coalition. There are several great organizations out there that are dealing with this terrible disease. If you suspect that you see one, and you suspect that your pet has been bit by one, by all means, take it to the vet and have it tested. Um, and I hope that you never, ever deal with it. But if you do, uh, there are organizations out there. There is no cure for it, but there are ways to treat it. So just a little PSA about it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey folks, Randy Barfield here, the one and only, coming at you with another episode of Under the Roof with Randy Barfield. And today we are joined by the lovely and talented Ashley Slosser and Mary Green of Live Out Loud PR, our normal producers, and put together the podcast for me. So, hello. Dream team. Hey, Randy. Hey, Randy. Great to see you. Great to be in the podcast shed again with you on a beautiful Friday morning. Yeah, I hear Casa de Nuda doing the podcast in the studio. 
is extraordinary. But, uh, yeah. I feel like it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, we got the podcast equipment going now, so we're really ramped it up, getting it going. We're professionals yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, we are. Shout out to, we should uh, be. Shout out to Eastside Music School, Austin Sisler, for hooking us up Absolutely. with a great uh, audio setup here. Thank you, Austin. The man's a genius. And he lives in Austin, so can't, it's go. a win-win all around. Aptly named, young yep. man. Well, we're sitting here. It just finished raining. The sun is starting to come out. The birds are chirping. You might be able to hear those in the background. So today we thought we would talk about, we're a little alert, late for Earth Day, but a nice, beautiful, green day. How to keep your, how to make a house green and efficient. What to do for your house to make it green and efficient if you can. Yeah. And talk a little bit about my house and what I did. Yeah, this is a topic that's kind of near and dear to your heart, Randy, um, and also to your wife, Carrie's. Yep. Um, as you mentioned, tell us the name of your casa again. It is Casa de Nuda, which is the naked house. I love and it. It doesn't mean that you come here and take your clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it means that you leave your worries at the door because it's designed to look like paradise in a resort. Uh, when you look at it from the street, you see. A very modern style design, low profile, uh, unique stone wall. But then when you walk in, you see the open living room, airy, airy type open light room that opens up to a beautiful pool and green belt. And it was featured on the Austin Cool House Tour Tour a couple years back, which, you know, it, it still remains true that it is the coolest house. So we had a very, very beautiful and talented friend of ours named Kimberly Kohlhaas, uh, who took Carrie's and I the ideas and wishes and designed this. Let's talk about that for a second. How did, because my understanding is that you and Carrie lived in like a traditional neighborhood home yep. prior to this. Yep. And so where did sort of like the idea for this come from? Um, my brain, I guess. It was always my dream to build a energy efficient home. But the number one thing I wanted to build was a house that people wanted to be in and be at and be a destination. That's a cool aspiration. Yeah. And I think you have accomplished that, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I am uh, what you would call codependent on people making people happy. So I wanted a house that did that. So. <laughs> There is, I mean, there is, you know, you could call it codependency. You would call it. I just like making, I like having fun. Uh, I like cooking food. I like having people over and spoiling them. And I needed a place for that. And Carrie does too. And this is what we came up with. That's a diagnosis I want. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, I want to make people happy too much. That's a good thing. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, making people happy. If it makes you happy, then more so the better. You know? Go for it. Yeah. So we, um, this took over a year to design, uh, working back and forth, going to meetings, talking to builders, uh, interviewing builders, coming up with ideas, what we could do, what we wanted. And uh, Kimberly's beautiful mind came up with this um, as a collaboration, but her, her design of what our ideas was, was all, all her just sitting down and talking to us and writing down notes and then coming up and, uh, and it would, you know, it was always intended to be energy efficient and as green as possible, but also to blend in with the environment. 
And so we bought, we bought this land in 2012 um, as part, this was cow pasture. Uh, the Rutherford West subdivision was created in 2007 um, by whomever, I don't know who the developer was, but uh, it only had, uh, originally it had 17 lots. Uh, I think then there were some more, maybe 10 more added. But when we built here, there were only uh, about 10 houses total. Wow. And so this lot was sitting here. And this is not the lot that we originally wanted. We wanted that lot next to us, but it had already sold. And so I con uh, through my realtor, we contacted the person who owned this, even though it wasn't for sale. And through mail, regular postal mail back and forth, uh, the gentleman that owned it lived in Nigeria. He was an oil oil person, worked in the oil industry, uh, and never lived here. Going back and forth, bought it at a really good price compared to what you could buy it for now, and sat on it for a while and paid it off, and then jumped into it in 2016. 2015 is when we started designing it. 2016 is when we actually broke ground, February of 2016. Uh, we interviewed several builders. And we, we landed on native builders because native does solar and they incorporate rainwater systems. Uh, and they build really green, beautiful, energy efficient houses. That's awesome. So, yep. Um, Lloyd uh, Lee and Nick Riza with native um, and their builder, Jonathan, uh, put this all together with uh, our help and Kimberly's design and we came up with a beautiful creation. And it's not just beautiful. It actually works for you really well. So yep. how do you, what, tell us about some of the components that really made your house unique. And well, uh, it was, I always, um, intended to have solar. So we did a metal standing seam roof, 24 gauge standing seam metal roof. Tell us what that means. It means it's a metal, you know, metal type roof. Because, uh, one, we also wanted rainwater collection. And if you use your rainwater for household supply, you can't really collect it off any other roof. Uh, you can't do it off the shingles because it's asphalt and it's in the shingles will get into your water supply. And you can't really filter that out. So you've sure. got to use a metal roof. It needs to be non-porous. Yeah. And, and also to bolt on solar panels. You can put them on basically any roof, but it really works really well when you bolt them to the unistruts to the standing seams of the metal roof. Cool. So, well, that know. was a win-win because yeah. had, wanting the solar made the rainwater collection. Yeah. So it just incorporated from that. What do we? What kind of roof? What's what pitch of a roof do we need in order to catch as much water as possible? What type of design do we have to catch it as much as possible? So if you look at it from here. It's almost in a bowl shape. Uh, it starts off the back at a two on 12 pitch and goes to a one on 12 pitch. And then it comes back up kind of as a, like almost a one on 12 pitch. And so even though it's 6,000 square feet of roof space, our living space is only 2,400 uh, plus the studio here. Uh, so that catches a half inch rain will dump in almost 5,000 gallons of water in my tank. So that is incredible. It's designed. So yep. After the rain that we got earlier this week, you guys are probably sitting I'm full. pretty right now. Yeah, I was down to about 18,000 gallons, and then we started getting rain again, and now I'm, I'm topped off. So tell us about how much of that water you're actually utilizing. 100%. Wow. All that rainwater in that tank goes right through the – it goes through a sediment filter, 
a cartridge filter, and then it goes through a UV light to kill bacteria, and then it comes out to the tap. And then from there, it's almost like, I think it's like one or two microns above distilled water. That's and, it. And if you could see it in person, it's a pretty large, I mean, it's a large. It's a 24,000 gallon silo tank that sets out front with corrugated, beautiful metal, kind of got a silo metal round dome to it. Um, it's not an eyesore by any means. Um, they, uh, this was built and installed by Agritech. Uh, they're out kind of towards Marble Falls. Uh, John with Agritech put this, designed the system and put it in. Um, and basically, a person needs about 10,000 gallons of water per year. And so if two people are in a house, they kind of design it around that get consumption. So it's, um, so they did 24,000 gallons for two people. Two people gave two. you a little wiggle room. And it's and never gotten below 18,000 gallons because that, that number is based on if you fill it up and never, it never dumps any more water in it for the rest of the year. Got it. So that's kind of how they design it. Uh, you can choose, you can pick and choose how many gallons you want, but that's what they, how we have, that's how we wound up with 24,000 gallons. And it sounds like it's been a good decision. Yeah. You could tell, you know, Agritech, they may have a, a method, an equation for it. Uh, there's also harvest rain up here in Dripping Springs. That's also, we almost use them. Uh, there was no reason, you know, we could have, we could have done great either way, mm-hmm. Agritech or rent, harvest rain. So, and what sort of permitting do you need to put in here? We didn't, we're in a unregulated driftwood. The only permits we need for the septic and for the driveway. Uh, that might be different now. I haven't kept up in the last five years, six years since we built this, but then we didn't need a permit. Mm-hmm. Now, the land that we're on uh, is, uh, we, we sit on, part of it is on the Edwards Aquifer Recharge Zone, and the other one is the LCRA Recharge Zone. So I had to reach out to them and make sure that I was not going to violate any rules by having an above ground storage tank and collecting that much water and they did not have any issues with it whatsoever Great. yeah yeah that worked out well um and then uh as far as you know we incorporated the solar panels up there that's part of the house to make it uh offset our energy consumption and then taking the design that kimberly and um, Francois Levy, that was working with her at the time, uh, put together this beautiful set of plans. We take it to shop it around to different builders, wound up with Native, and they started building us a beautiful house. You said something really interesting just then, Randy. You said that the solar offsets energy mm-hmm. consumption. Yep. So it is not fully like powering nope. your home. No, and a, a solar array does not fully power your system. What it does do is offset the amount of consumption that you have. Uh, you still need. So there's a misconception that says a lot of people think um, that if you have a solar system, you can go off grid. That is absolutely not the case. You can go off grid with a solar system, but you have to have a way of storing the energy that it produces. And then that storage system runs your house, which means that you have to get what's called a power wall. And there's a Tesla power wall. There's a Generac power wall. Uh, there may be a couple of other companies out there that I don't know of that do power walls, but basically it's a battery storage system. Is it large? It's, yeah, pretty large. Uh, it can go, I think an uh, average, 
I may be not, don't uh, hold me to this, but I think a, one power wall may be like seven kilowatts. And then you add another one based on the size that you would need. Wow. Uh, this house with the pool runs probably around 15 to 17 kilowatts consumption at peak. And so we would probably need two power walls for a total of 17 to 20 kilowatts. Uh, and they run um, around $10,000 per power wall. So that's a big investment. It'd be about 25 grand to put one in. And if I were to do that with, now I do have a backup generator that I have installed. Um, it's a 17 kilowatt generator, uh, Generac generator that's powered fueled by propane system and I could run that and go off grid, but I'm technically not off grid because I'm still having to buy propane to power it. So yeah. am I, I'm not off grid off grid technically means you're not relying on any other, you're producing your own energy to run your system that you need. No to outside run. fuel sources. Yeah. Now there are, you know, smaller solar panels that will run a uh, direct, direct line straight to an appliance or something that has a, a small converter on it. Um, but there is that technology out there, but for a whole house, the only way to do it is through a power wall system. As or, far as I know. There I may... wonder if you could look into um, a flux capacitor at, sure. at the 1.21 gigawatt range. Exactly. And, um, Tap maybe... into the lightning that's up in there. And yeah. Then, uh, time traveling now? Yeah, yeah, that works pretty sure. well for okay. Marty McFly. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody needs a flux capacitor. I mean, if you can find one. I mean, yeah, you can probably get one on eBay. If you really? can't get it on eBay, well, you can get it on Craigslist. Well, obviously, we're going to be looking in just a minute. Sure. And then you got to find a DeLorean that's still running. And uh, yeah, and then you go from there. And then and then you're time then traveling you're, in no time. And then you're just time traveling all over the step place. Step one, yeah. step two, um, you But um, the solar panels are great. But um, I just added, um, and Native put in these solar panels, the original solar panels, and they just came out um, and put in more. So now I should have about 18 kilowatt uh, system. That's the size of it. Um, and I haven't gotten the data back on what I am producing because it's been relatively cloudy every day since we put them in. Uh, so they haven't reached its full potential yet, but I'm waiting to see what that is. But I should be 102 to 110%. And what that means is that I will be on peak days when the sun is shining all day. I should be producing more than what I need. And PEC should be able to buy back what I overproduce. Wow. Great. Yeah. That's a wonderful place to be. I don't, I don't. I have no misconception that I'll be able to do that every day because when it's cloudy, kind of like overcast, like right now, I'm only producing about half as much as what I would Sure. Do. So it's still collecting. It's still harnessing energy, just sure. not as high of a rate when it's not like a yeah. cloudless, sunny day. Now, I have um, a swimming pool, and even though the technology, the equipment for swimming pools and pumps has come a long, long way in the past 10 years, and they've made pumps more energy efficient, it is not a energy efficient device. It's a swimming pool. Uh, <laughs> you put in a swimming pool because you want one. You don't put one in because you want to save electricity. And you've told us that from like a number of perspectives mm -hmm. that basically like a swimming pool is a great, fantastic luxury yeah. to have if you, if you it's can a, do it. But it's, it's a, hole in the a water. lot of work. It's a hole in the ground with water that needs money. Yeah. It consumes money. <laughs> 
Um, that's what you feed it. Especially when you have golden retriever that swims in it every day. Uh, we can get into one of these days. I'll get Steve with Tri County Pools over here, and we'll talk about pools. But a pool needs to turn over at least three times a day. That means it needs to turn over the water that's in that pool through the filter and hit the chemicals and come back and recharge itself basically three times a day. So that means wow. that that pool equipment has to run. That pool motor has to run at a certain RPMs based on the size of the, the number of gallons. And that pool, when that pool motor is running, it is consuming electricity. So does your rainwater collection help your pool have no. water? So the thing about rainwater is that it doesn't have any pH in it. It's basically mm. flat water. It's There's no pH in it. There's no chemicals to it. It's like distilled water. There's nothing in it, but it's just water, H2O, nothing added. Wow. So you really can't use that because a pool needs pH. It has to have a certain oh, amount of pH yeah. to it. You don't want it too high. You don't want it too low. It has to be perfect, somewhere between 7.2 and 7.6 pH. That's the perfect. So, you have like the little strips, like it's I got a science a kit. class. Cool. I'll, I'll show you. I kind of want to see it. You can I mean, buy the yeah. strips, but the, the little vials and drops work better. See, this is why we could never have a pool because we. Sure. Once we you get, once you learn how to do it, you just it's second nature. You just do it. <laughs> That's not something I. Well, have the two time things we'll get. I mean, one of these days we'll do a soon. I hope uh, with summer coming, uh, but chlorine, free, free chlorine, and pH are your three main factors of a pool. So once you got those balanced, your pool is beautiful. Good to go. Then you clean it and scrub it, and clean it and scrub it, and clean it and scrub it. So Just I feel like work your butt off all yeah, summer long. I feel like I'm the voice of reason on our podcast. So for those who don't get to focus on their home all the time and are the sort of layman that is not as knowledgeable as Randy on homes, uh, how how does one go about um, making your home more energy efficient? Uh, on their own in an existing home, such well, as for solar panels, things like that. Solar panels are a great uh, way to make your house uh, offset the amount of electricity that you use. So that's one. That's let's keep that in mind. Offset. It doesn't uh, make your home energy efficient by making it weatherproof or anything. It just offset the amount of electricity that it's consuming that you're consuming by producing electricity for you to go to the meter go back to the meter and just use you, you it yeah, like i said offsets it so you don't consume as much um and the other way and if you can't do that then of course uh you always look at insulation insulation is one of the most cheapest ways to make your home more energy efficient insulation in the attic insulation around doors around windows uh sealing up air loss um on older homes um the less drafty a home is, the more energy efficient it is because cold air conveys or convex to hot air. So if you're trying to heat your, cool your house in the summer and you're leaking air around the windows and doors, well, naturally that air, that cold air is going to try to go to where the hot air is. So it's going to leak around the doors and go to the outside. So you're going to lose it. So the more tight, more energy, more insulated the house becomes, the more, the better the thermal envelope is sealed, the more energy efficient it is. So new houses now, the thermal envelope is a very tight envelope. Mm -hmm. Back in the 70s and 80s, it was just an envelope. 
I mean, it was just an envelope that was kind of like not even halfway sealed. You know, when you lick yeah. that envelope, <laughs> yeah, kind of lick it at the very top because you don't want to cut your tongue. Yeah, paper that letter's tongue, falling cut. out. Yeah. So you know, <laughs> and the flaps would be open on the side. Well, that's you know the older homes, and now they make them so airtight that they have to actually put in a mechanical air intake system on the heating and cooling system, which is called a fresh air intake system, to bring in fresh air. For wow. Mechanically. That's yeah. pretty amazing. I well, didn't know that. You, well, it, the thing is, if you get, if you take an envelope and you seal it up and it's sealed, then no air gets in there, no fresh air gets in there, and then it becomes stale air. And even though you are an HVAC system is conditioning the air, it is not freshening the air. So when you have people that live in the house and the byproduct of you and I breathing is carbon monoxide, mm -hmm. it has to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's why you bring in a fresh air intake system. I like it. And I know we really explored HVAC in a recent uh, episode, but I know personally I had some uh, mold inspection stuff in my house. And so we really, I learned a little bit more than I want to know yeah. about air and your house envelope. Yeah. An energy efficient heating and cooling system is a good step. Uh, energy efficient windows, a good step. Uh, insulation is a great step. Um, those are the really kind of the top three things that you can do, you know, energy star rated appliances that consume less electricity in order to operate. Uh, those are all things that a home can do to make it energy efficient, but it all depends on your budget. Uh, caulk that you can buy at Home Depot and caulk around your windows and doors, you know, where there are gaps around them, fill those in, uh, is pretty inexpensive. That's some elbow grease and some caulk. Um, hiring a company to get up in your attic and blow in insulation is relatively, it's, it's you know, it's, it's not that it, Expensive. It's not cheap, but it's not that expensive compared to a thousand dollar install of a window, mm -hmm. and then you have forty windows, and you're looking at forty thousand dollars sure. to go from single pane windows to double pane insulated windows. So there are some things that you can do on kind of any scale of a yeah, budget. depending on your budget. Yeah, you know, and then you know you can uh, keep your thermostat during the day if you're not home at seventy eight or eighty, and then when you get home and you're want to get comfortable or program your thermostat is a really, really great way to save money. Um, if you like it at 70 degrees at night and then you forget to turn it back up during the day, well, that air conditioner has been running at 70 degrees all day and nobody's been home. Yeah. So you program it to go at, you know, eight o'clock when you leave to go back to 78. And then at four o'clock you, you program it to start getting down to 74. And then at six o'clock you want it down to 72 and then eight o'clock at seventy, when you're going to bed, or ten o'clock. Yeah, when you're going just to put bed. it on a schedule. Just put it on a schedule, and you can save a lot of money that way. And, and that the same is true, right? For even like tasks that you're completing around the house, like when the time of day that you're doing laundry mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah, if you're doing it during peak days on a hot day, like at noon when it's the hottest, or one o'clock, or two o'clock, or three o'clock, and you're running an electric dryer at the peak, well, you're paying at peak prices on your electric bill. Whereas if you run your dryer at night, when it's not peak, you probably save some money. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So find out when it's worth it to you to, to Austin do Energy laundry. does, if you go to Austin Energy website, they have a plethora, plethora of information about energy saving wow. methods and devices. Emo, um, 
smart thermostats are awesome. The Nest, the Ecobee, yeah. uh, Honeywell's got some, Linux, Train, depending on your type of system. Every, pretty much all of these HVA com- uh, companies are making smart thermostats. Now. Yeah, we love our Nest. It's yeah. been a fun Do it on your phone. Fun little project. It's a learning thermostat. Do all that. Yeah. Um, that's just some things that you can do. Uh, getting back to our house, we I did a lot of, Kimberly and I and Carrie and Native tried to do as much forward thinking as possible uh, from the way direction the house faces uh, to which way the wind blows to how the doors are situated, the type of doors, the type of windows, the size of windows. All of that went into just going back and forth. There were days when Kimberly and I would just sit there and just go back and forth, back and forth about the size of the window, which way the pendant window was facing. Was it going to be an operable window? Was it going to be a closed permanent window? All of that went into everything down to the hinges on the door. Everything went into the plan. Yeah. I remember when you first moved in, we were in your, uh, you were giving us the tour. I think it was during the cool home tour. And um, you were mentioning that because of the position of the front wall and the minimal windows on the front, mm-hmm. but then more windows in the back, you'd actually thought about the, the pattern of the sun mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff as you took that into consideration where it falls. Yeah. So. And, but at the same time, me being a building ins- inspector, home inspector, you can say you want one thing, but there's a building code that's in place that you have to adhere to. Mm. So I could say that I didn't want any of my windows to open because if you open a window when the air conditioning is running, you immediately lose air. So, but the building code says every sleeping area has to have a second egress, an operable window or door. It has yeah. to be one way of well, any. I like that code. That's a good thing. For fire safety emergency you have to have two means of access or exit out of a bedroom so that means i gotta have a sliding door in every bedroom but i made every sliding door face to the pool so everybody can walk out of their bedroom and go to the pool that's not too shabby yeah yeah Yeah. and i'm pretty sure that kimberly had most of that thought process yeah yeah, that's why we sure. rely on our builders for sure. If Kimberly, I, I would like to have a you know one of these days we'll get Kimberly over here. To talk yeah, about I think that'd be too. great. Kimberly, she's an amazing, she's an amazing talent. Yeah, <laughs> when and a beautiful I person too. Was finishing um, grad school at Clemson. I got to do some work with the College of Architecture mm-hmm. and some students that were getting like their PhD in architectural design in green energy homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And learned a lot about the history behind like the directional wind airflow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the sun to Ashley's point. And it is such a common sense tidbit, but it makes so much sense if you think about like farming communities mm-hmm. 200 years ago. They did not have air conditioning. They did not have any way to cool their home. So it was really important that they thought about like the pattern of the sun and the wind direction so that they could open a window and get some relief. Well, they had uh, bigger windows and they had open really wide hallways so that the air could flow down the hallway and into the rooms. Which I would say describes your home too. Yep. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like the return to the way we used to do things when you think about how gardening is becoming more popular at the home. Mm -hmm. You know, that was sort of a trend um, back in the day that 
you know, oh, don't garden because your lawn should be pristine in America. It was more like, oh, the more lofty lawn that doesn't have a garden. So I, I wonder if we're getting back to, from an architecture standpoint, the idea of the homes, thinking about building them the way that they were thought about long um, time ago. There are um, custom homes that are being designed that way. Um, spec homes are being designed to be um, energy efficient. Every home now that's being built has a certain energy standard that it has to meet per our international residential building code. Even though it's a spec home, it still meets has to meet a much higher criteria of energy rating than it did 25 years ago. Um, so even though, you know, this house was, you know, took over a year to design, it took over a year to build. Um, it's on the cool house tour. It's a really, really beautiful place. It's, it's still a home, four walls, a roof, a floor, uh, and spec homes, I would say they're just as energy efficient if without the rainwater, without the solar system, it would probably just be just as efficient as this. Uh, when you look at it, there may be a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of difference, but, um, <laughs> sorry <laughs> to interrupt. Um, Randy's amazing retriever <laughs> Zuzu. Zuzu. just brought a boulder yeah. to me and put <laughs> one, it in my lap. A one pound rock and wanted to share it with you because her job Ever since she's been here is to remove the rocks from the yard. Hey, so, everybody needs everyone needs a job. Yeah. Just don't let her drop that on your foot. You got she it. Ow. You know, that does um, take me to a part of the home that I don't think we've asked about yet, which is the rock wall. Sort of how you mentioned yeah, like, from the that was a, street. It looks like a retreat. Yeah, that the the, the front wall um, was supposed to always design to be blend into the the natural landscape of this property. So uh, when you look at it, it's a very, it's not a very high wall. Uh, and it was originally planned to be rammed earth, um, which I don't know if, if you go to the El Monumental restaurant in Georgetown, that is a rammed earth wall. Um, I would recommend their margarita. Yeah. They're really good food. They're really good people there. That's an official PSA. Yeah. Um, the problem is when we were getting ready to do that, there was only one contractor in the state of Texas that did it. Wow. And it was going to be over $250,000 to do that, which that was going to be over half our budget. So we quickly said, okay, we want that, but we're not going to get Yeah, that. like we recognize the value of that, yeah. but it's not in the cards. So uh, Kimberly tried to come up with different ideas and different methods and different designs and just drive. And what I did was just driving down 360 capital Texas highway. And you see those walls that are cut through the, the roads that are cut through those limestone hills and the way the saw, the rock saw cuts through it and makes the striations. I kind of came up with an idea to make a striated wall out of just limestone. I went down to Cobra stone and up in Gerald and got some samples of different sizes. And I made up a mock-up board out in the front yard when we were building out of a big piece of four bait plywood and darted just stacking it different ways. And so I came up with a design here with uh, three rows of four inch, a row of 12 inch, and then three rows of four inch, and then a 12 inch, and then three rows of four inch. 
And the masonry guy, he kind of looked at those big 12-inch blocks that weigh about 150 pounds each. And he just kind of stood there and looked at it. And I said, can you do it? He said, sure, I can do it. That's awesome. That's so cool how intentional mm-hmm. that part of the design is because obviously I I would not ever have known that. Um, yep. but it's most of, most of the book like it's been cut, like the front wall has been cut out of a limestone wall. Yeah, and it or natural. does. Um, the byproduct of that is that we have the stone wall also goes into the interior. Mm-hmm. And the way the, this was not intended, but the way the concrete floor the slope of the ceiling that goes up as it goes towards the back um, and the stone wall wound up being a natural speaker. And so one day we were here and we just had a small Bose speaker playing and it was plugged into the wall against the stone wall and the sound was just incredible just off this little Bose speaker. And so that's where Carrie got the idea of doing Casa de Nuda house concerts which we have here on yeah. periodically. So, which is really cool and ramping up as we go into summertime. Yep. We just had, um, Carrie Hudson and her husband and their band play here, um, a couple of weeks ago and it was amazing. That's yeah. great. And then, uh, in June we have, uh, Rochelle and the Sidewinders are playing and that one's going to be an outdoor. Ooh, that'll be fun. Show. In the backyard. That. So, yeah, you know, nothing like the live music capital of the world to have your uh, amazing home inspector also be the king of concerts. Uh, this is the home inspector's beautiful and talented wife. <laughs> All I do is set up of, chairs. The queen of concerts. You're right. I actually can give Randy no credit. No. Carrie is the I'm definite just, music queen. I'm just queen. grunt labor on this thing. She does all of it, and that's it. Sometimes I put out some food. Sometimes I don't. But I'm always putting up chairs, that's yeah. for sure. Yep. Well, that's teamwork. Yep. So um, that's my house uh, designed to be as energy efficient as possible, but also to be as friendly and welcoming and leave your worries at the door kind of house as possible. Mission accomplished. Every time I come in the doors to your home, I feel better pretty mm-hmm. much immediately. Good. It's true. That's what it's tended, intended. It's true. And, you know, that really echoes the power of the home to make you feel that way. I think, you know, if anyone gets anything from what we get to sit and talk about with Randy, it's caring and loving your home is super important to your mm-hmm. happiness in your life. Yep. And that's the main game. It yes. doesn't have to be a Casa de Nuda. It could be Casa, your house. Just Casa de Clothes. Yeah. Just casa, (laughs) whatever you want to call it, make it your home and yeah, make it yours and make it as fun and friendly and energy efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, in case anybody's interested, we've got a wonderful write up on Randy and Carrie's home on the website on barfieldhomeinspection.com. And want to invite everybody to also check out the YouTube channel because Randy and Carrie's newest adventure has been adopting Miss Pearl into the family. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you can see how they have extended their green living into owning a Tesla um, and what, what you might need to think about before purchasing an electric vehicle. So if you'll, I'm going to reach down and grab this rock because that's what everybody is just. 
Yeah, if you've been hearing interesting crunching sounds, that's Zuzu's rock. It's Zuzu's almost chewing. like nails on a chalkboard, but with dog teeth and a rock. So, I mean, she's filing her teeth for like a savage kill, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm impressed, but also grinding my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we recently got a Tesla. This house was intended to have a, a electric vehicle. Uh, the wiring was already pre-roughed in for conduit to run wire from the charger to the main panel. When we built it, uh, I put that in before we closed up the walls. So uh, once we decided to pull the trigger on a Tesla, we I put in the Tesla charger, which only took me about an hour to do and have it mounted out there. And then now we're using the electricity that we generate. It's like everyone has a Tesla now, and even Randy has a Tesla. And let me tell you, it it is very cool. It yeah. is very, very cool. So. I downloaded the self-driving program and kind of been checking that out. It's a little unsettling <laughs> <laughs> when it to starts driving by itself. And yeah. it's, I mean, it, it, there's cameras on each side of it, and it looks at the stripes, and it, that's, it centers itself on that. And it's pretty amazing, but it's also a little unsettling because you, you're afraid to take your hand off the steering wheel. Yeah, that's not exactly a natural feeling. But you do have to put your hand on the steering wheel like every 45 seconds to a minute. You kind of have to good. touch it. And that make sure. actually makes me feel much better. Yeah, no yeah. more of that just letting it go. There's been too many accidents because of that where people either reprogrammed it or whatever happened. Uh, car just kept going yeah there's a great silicon valley episode about a self-driving car where uh someone gets falls asleep while the self-driving car drives itself into a uh shipping container and then he woke up and he's inside a shipping container on a ship (laughs) headed to god knows where so i don't know uh yeah i don't know how i feel about self-driving cars but if if there's if it's human backed then i support it sure it's the wave of the future. Yeah, you can't yeah. fight it. Sometimes you just got to join Well, it. it's funny because when I was out in my lawn, I have a lot of neighbors now. I think it's just an Austin trend because Tesla's here now and there's all these yeah. you know, influence. Uh, and plus, everyone wants to be cool and energy, energy efficient. Uh, but I hear that, you know, the Tesla motor sound uh, mm. often when I'm out in my garden. And, mm. um, and I'm like we are literally living back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, Speaking of DeLorean hoverboards. Tesla's. Yeah. I, I when, felt like, wow, we are the neighborhood of the future. Uh, when I can, when I, if I, I have a 2019 Dodge Ram Ram pickup. And if I get up and drive to Granger to do an inspection and then drive from Granger to Bur- burn it, do an inspection and burn it to marble falls and then marble falls back to driftwood. I basically burned up, a whole tank of gas, which is about a lot, hundred and twenty dollars right now. So, um, and I could get in that Tesla and haven't burned up anything. So, can we put a giant Barfield home inspection sticker on that Tesla? I tried. <laughs> it won't stick. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! no it won't stick. I wonder, won't stick. I wonder if Elon did that on purpose. If he didn't want anybody branding his Tesla. Well, um, it yeah. has that uh, clear skin on it so that it keeps the magnet from it's very uh, amphibian like yeah it looks like it. a pearl yeah it's beautiful it's, well, it is beautiful i yeah. you know i don't i don't disagree yeah 
So it's fun. It is a fun vehicle to drive. It's very energy efficient, of course. Uh, it doesn't use up gasoline. There's no fluids other than windshield wiper. There's no maintenance, except I think you have to check your battery. There's some maintenance to that. I haven't discovered all that yet, but uh, basically that, you know, that's it. Hairs in the tire. So, and drive it. Huh? Easy enough. And um, so, um, so that's uh, our Green Day episode, house, energy efficient, Casa de Nuna, Zuzu and her rocks episode. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Y'all have anything to add? Or I, I think that's do? a wrap. Just a reminder for everybody. Um, maybe Earth Day only comes once a year, but every day there's an opportunity for all of us to be living smart and be living green for yep. the longevity of our planet. So lower, do what you can. Lower yeah. emissions, make things more energy efficient. Plant a tree, plant some flowers, have some fun. Mother Nature is always watching. Yeah, yeah. enjoy Mother out. Nature. Don't destroy Mother Nature. That's there right. you go. That's yeah. right. And if anybody wants to find you, Randy, for their home inspection needs or questions yeah. they have. You can give us a call at 512-350-0123 or 512-789-2710. You can check us out on the web, the world web at <laughs> barfieldhomeinspections.com. Uh, where you can check out the blogs and newsletters. Uh, if you join, uh, Ashley and Mary will include you on the newsletter, which if you're lucky, if you're lucky, but it has a lot of great information and content on there. And these podcasts are pretty cool. We think. Yeah. Awesome. We like it. And yeah, you can drop us an email at Randy at Barfield home Thank you all, folks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Randy. Bye, everybody.